1: They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, hall of famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Jazz, The Two men. if you would, handicap match okay. to open up things here on Summerslam is Hercules now. Oh no. This, could, this could be real trouble. This, this is what they've been hey. planning for their
0: finish hey, so with Nova. Hey. Here her, and another hey. Suplex out of the
1: your winners, Power and Glory! Shawn Michaels in the ring, finally!
0: Oh no, and they're doing even more damage to his knee! These guys are out to prove a point, and they're making their point real clear! We are the Power! We are the Glory! Stay out of here, baby!
2: This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, and you are listening to episode number 276 Of the two man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by the Mid Atlantic Gateway. Head on over to midatlanticgateway.com and check out the brand new Four Horsemen, a timeline history book by Dick Bourne, and relive the entire chronological history of the Four Horsemen, stemming from the beginning. All the way through the end and all the members in between, it is one of the best wrestling books that has ever been written. And definitely over the last 10 years, the Mid-Atlantic Gateway continues to deliver with high-quality wrestling books that are going to not only educate you, but they are going to keep you engaged and help you relive the past of some of the greatest wrestling moments in history. And that is over at MidAtlanticGateway.com. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And today on the show, we are going to dive into a former member of the Four Horsemen. It's not Arn Anderson. It's not Tully Blanchard. It is pretty Paul Roma who joins the show. Now, as we talk about a Four Horsemen member and Paul Roma being a Four Horsemen member, I know that might stir up a little bit of controversy because the uh, old-school, authentic fan is going to not consider Paul Roma to be in the best iteration of the Four Horsemen, but nonetheless, he is a horseman. He was branded a horseman, so that's something we're going to get into in pretty great detail throughout this show. But Paul Roma is an absolute polarizing guy, and he's somebody who, whenever he says something you know, it's it's automatically going to raise an eyebrow. And I always found that to be really interesting about him because whether it's people who want to call him a jobber or somebody who is just enhancement talent, that is completely false and untrue. And that just goes to show you that the education of the wrestling fan needs to really be emphasized when it comes to some of these guys from the past because you might have seen Paul Roma lose matches on TV but what a career Paul Roma was able to put in and what a story behind becoming a professional wrestler and even getting into the WWF for Paul Roma and it's all going to be documented on this show because he tells this absolutely a uh, heartbreaking and emotional story about why he decided to become a wrestler and getting into the WWF in 1985 and what that did mean to him, but there's so many cool things with Paul Romo, and one of the things that I really, really loved was being able to talk about his former tag team partner from Power & Glory, Ray Hernandez, a.k.a. Hercules. Now, Hercules, if you grew up in the 80s and into the 90s, was one of the mainstays of the WWF, but when you look back at his history and you see all the places that he hit before the WWF, he had a great body of work, and he was definitely a guy that was perfect for Vince McMahon when he decided to go national because he was this big, brooding guy with these gigantic muscles and all these power moves. But unfortunately, his passing about 10 years ago, uh, he's kind of been lost to time. And I like what this show, what we can do is we like to keep the memory alive of some of the folks that. Maybe newer fans aren't that aware of, and we get some of the most detailed stories about how Paul Roma traveled with Hercules, how close they were as buddies, and not only in the ring, but out of the ring, their chemistry was absolutely off the charts. And that is one of the main things I want you to take away from this interview, is listen to the stories about Hercules, and we want to help carry on that legacy of Ray Hernandez, who did just an absolutely phenomenal job during that late 80s uh, expansion of the WWF. But John, as I welcome you in here, Paul Roma's also got a wrestling league going on in the state of Connecticut. He's doing a lot of really cool things uh, on that side of the coin. He's helping train the stars of tomorrow, as we'd like to say with all the guys that do have a wrestling promotion or they're helping train the newer kids getting into the business. But the things that he has to say about NXT and triple H are also going to raise some eyebrows because The perceived heat between Paul Roma and Triple H is addressed by Paul and it is really going to open up some eyes because it might not be as controversial as you think because there might not really be a problem there. So John, as I welcome you in here, why don't you talk a little bit more about what Paul Roma's got going on today as well as some of the other highlights and stories that we can listen to in this interview with Pretty Paul Roma.
1: Yes, Chad, the two-man power trip is back at it. And, of course, like you mentioned, June 17th in Danbury, Connecticut at the Danbury P.A.L., the Rumble in Paradise, brought to you by Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling. We'll have a huge show starting at 7 p.m. featuring WWE Hall of Famer Tito Santana and, of course, our guest today He is pretty, he's a horseman, he is Paul Roma, and Paul Roma was an awesome interview, so outspoken, so super honest, and he's one of those guys that just pulls no punches. You know, he really, really is just going to be brutally honest, and I just love that about him because, you know, you can bring up a topic like the young stallions, or you talk about Jim Powers, and you figure, yeah, he's gonna be pretty nice about it, or he's not gonna really go into detail. No, he goes right at Jim Powers. He mentions, you know, the troubles they had together, them not really getting along, why they didn't work as a team, why they were put together as a team. So really, really honest, awesome answers from him, and that's what you get with pretty Paul Roma. He's gonna shoot. He's not going to bullshit. He's not going to, you know, pussyfoot around. He's going to give you the a brutal, honest answer, and I absolutely love that about him. He's just awesome, and that's why I love this interview so much, and we do get a pretty good amount of time out of well over an hour, so that was awesome. And when you get to topics like Triple H and Triple H and WCW, Triple H Now, do they get along? What do you think about him? All that stuff is also very intriguing and definitely gets a lot of people's attention for sure course we go down deep into his time with the WBF, whether we're talking about Vince McMahon, whether we're, we're talking about, like I just mentioned, Jim Powers or the Young Stallions, or of course, whether we're going to talk about power and glory, and of course that means you are going to talk about Slick, and most importantly, you are going to talk about the mighty Hercules, who is a dear, dear friend of Paul, and obviously gone way too soon. The time we spent on Hercules is just some great stuff. Now, if anybody knows me, maybe not really on-air, but off-air, you know I'm a huge Hercules Mark. I've been a fan for him for a long time, and of course, you know, I have to mention this to us out there. He is a part of the greatest Survivor Series team of all time. That's the Mega Power team in 1988 with Hogan, Macho Man, Coco, Hillbilly, Jim and Hercules. Don't ask me why, but that is my favorite Survivor Series team. I just love it, I love every guy in there, and they each have a special, you know, part of my uh, wrestling fandom, and part of my allure, and part of my love for the business. I just love that team. So I'm just throwing that out there as well, but you know, back to Paul Roma. Obviously, we're gonna get into WCW as well. He is a former three-time WCW Tag Team Champion, twice with Mr. Wonderful himself, Paul Orndraff, where they comprised Pretty Wonderful, and they had a great run. It was just perfect uh, pairing of those two. Perfect heels. Two guys that you just love to hate. And they are put together and made one hell of a tag team. And, of course, we do talk about his time in the Four Horsemen. What did he think about it being a former tag team champion with the great, the Enforcer Arn Anderson? We go in deep and in-depth on that as well. What did he think of the Horsemen? What did he think of Flair? What did he think of being a part of that group? So you get it all in this interview. I just uh you know want you to sit back, relax, enjoy the pretty one himself.
2: Paul Roma. Absolutely and definitely strap in. It's a fun one with Paul Roma and it really kind of funny enough completes Three Horsemen in a span of about a month and a half. So uh our Horsemen production has gone through the roof uh, as of late and hopefully maybe we can add a couple more of those Horsemen that we haven't had the chance to speak to. Onto the two man power trip of wrestling roster. But either way, please, I want to thank all the fans right now for heading on over to the IRW network and checking out the brand new Triple Threat podcast with the two man power trip of wrestling and our captain of our football team, the franchise, Shane Douglas. It has been an absolutely overwhelming response. Like I said, uh, we are going to get more into that on this show in the in the coming weeks. We're going to throw maybe a couple clips from the show on the ROW Network onto this platform, just so you could check it out if you haven't already. But we really urge you to. It's been a lot of fun. We're a few episodes in so far and the fan submitted questions have been awesome and just kind of riffing about what's going on in the world and pop culture and kind of whatever comes to the top of our head and bringing it up to Shane. He's got something to say about everything and it's been a great experience for John and myself thus far and uh, definitely again, want to urge you to get on over to the IRW network.com and check out the triple threat podcast with the franchise Shane Douglas and the two man power trip of wrestling released every Monday On IRWnetwork.com. So that means you got us on Monday, you got us on Tuesday, and you got us on Friday. So the schedule is starting to ramp up pretty big for the two-man power trip. And we hope that you join us for that incredible ride. And if you're in the new Kent, Virginia area on July 15th, please head on down to Classic Pro Wrestling's first annual Crockett Foundation Tag Team Memorial Cup. The Crockett Foundation is teaming up with the great organization known as Classic Pro Wrestling to reignite the Crockett Cup, but this time with a little bit of a twist. And the two-man powership of wrestling will be in attendance for the Crockett Foundation Cup with rugged Ronnie Garvin, Hands of Stone himself, former NWA champion. And we're going to be hosting an exclusive Q&A with Ronnie Garvin down at the Classic Pro Wrestling event. And you can head to our website, excuse me, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash TMPT of Wrestling for more information about that event. And we would love to see you if you were down in that area for our Hurley's event. So get on down to New Kent on July 15th and come join us with rugged Ronnie Garvin. So John, as we wrap it up here, why don't you hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to Paul Roma. Now,
1: for some TMPT business, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at TwoManPowerTrip and at RasslinPow. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend, Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream, Dusty Rose, The Enforcer, Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney, Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet... Check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTofWrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 as we hit the road and we come to a town near you, New Kent, Virginia, on July 15th for the Crockett Cup. Then follow us down to Philadelphia, where we hit the Icons Collector's Fest at the 2300 Arena. So please follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 because you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, he is a former WWF and WCW star. He is a former three-time WCW World Tag Team champion. He is a young stallion. He was a member of Pretty Wonderful. He was in power and glory, and of course, he was a four-horseman. He is known as Pretty. He is Paul Roma. Please enjoy.
4: The former three-time WCW World Tag Team Champion He is a member of the Four Horsemen He is a young stallion He is one half of power and glory I'm going to let you guess which one of the power and glory he is He's also one half of a pretty damn good tag team Pretty wonderful He is pretty Paul Roma, thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling
3: Well, thanks,
0: man Thanks for having me on the show
4: uh, we're, uh, we're very excited to have you Of course we're here to talk about Something very near and dear to your heart And that is Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling You guys have a huge show Coming up June 17th Featuring a good friend of ours In WWE Hall of Famer Tito Santana But uh, basically I guess uh, First things first We'd love to hear a little bit more about Paradise Alley And how that's been going for you
0: Well I'll tell you uh, Paradise Alley is my Actually my fourth wrestling school um, you know, Had them in different places. Um, had to move. <laughs> had to uh, shut one down because, uh, my wife was, uh, pregnant. So, you know, things weren't going to work. But, um, you know, now opened up another one. So it's in East Haven, Connecticut. Uh, very cool. You know what I mean? We got a great, great group of guys, which most of them you'll be seeing. Um, on the June 17th show.
4: And if you get a chance to actually go and look up some of the footage that's out there, you guys have pretty decent crowds. You guys have pretty good workers. And, of course, you can't forget Paul Roma still can get in there and uh, and mix it up. But one thing that I love about you having a wrestling school is you are old school to the bone. And I'm sure there's a lot of kids out there that are learning the correct way, and that is uh, the way that you were brought up but how do you like filling that role in as a trainer? Now it's something that we see a lot of guys trying to do, but not a lot of guys have the kind of experience and the kind of background that you do. Well,
0: you know, I I see a lot of, um, a lot of young guys will come to my school. Um, I've asked them where, you know, where you've been, have you worked before? Uh, a few of them, backyard wrestlers, you know, self-taught, uh, quite a few come from other schools and, um, you know there's a lot the hardest thing to do is correct somebody else's mistakes. you know I'd rather get somebody that is right from scratch you know ground zero and then i could I could hone and skill them <clears throat> my way and 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 use their skills and you know their talents to uh really you know exemplify what what they do um and and again it, it just i I'm the only school that I know of anyway. That teaches ring psychology, which is old school, you know it 's not about taking a hundred bumps. I explained to them it 's about taking quality bumps so uh that's that's pretty much how I do things you know and and it seems to be very successful
4: yeah, and one thing that you know I personally always loved about watching you was the finesse because you had a really Really great look, but you did a lot of stuff that at that point I think people were trying to do, but you were somebody, you know, you went up for that top rope drop kick. You were hitting it, and you were doing it with absolute precision. If you were going up for that flying body press, it was literally exactly how it should look. And I think, like I said before about other guys that are training, you know, that maybe not have the experience that you do, do you see the guys coming in that want to just be wrestlers or they want to now just be WWE wrestlers?
0: Um, wow, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a fine line. Um, they they
4: want
0: to be, they want to wrestle for the WWE. Uh, and they watch and, and try to um, emulate a lot of what they see on, on TV, which is not what, you know, what made the sport what it is or the entertainment what it is today. Um, you know, it was, it was the old timers, the old school as we call them that told stories, kept the people interested, and that's what I have with my students. So they can go out there. Nobody needs to know who they are, but, you know, within the first minute, they already know who the bad guy is and who the good guy is, and, and that is very, very important, you know, especially when you have no notoriety, you're not on TV. Um, you know, if you have 600 people in the crowd, maybe three people, maybe 10 people know who you are. But, you know, what about the other 590? So you've got to let them know, you know, within that first minute, should they be cheering you? Should they be booing you? You're a good guy, a bad guy, you know, that has to be done. And uh, the guys that come in today, you know, they don't know that. Even when they come from other schools, they have no idea. They're all caught up in this, uh, you know, forgive me if I say it wrong, the, the Lucha. You know, they want to do a hundred different things that mean absolutely nothing. And while they're... You know, exciting the crowd for the most part, when they stop, then the crowd, they lose the crowd. So they got to do more. You know, so when, when do you call it quits? When do you stop? You know, when, when do you tell the crowd, you know, you, when do you make them cheer you on your command, like old school, or boo you? You know, because you got the ring psychology that, that allows you to dictate to the crowd when they should cheer and when they should boo. They don't have that now.
4: Yeah, it's a fine line between the heel and the baby face and who's trying. It's really now who's trying to out-cool one another, who's trying to you know, uh, win over a, you know, a very small segment of a fan base. And whereas you were a part of a touring machine, this is more of a television-based network machine that's kind of uh, singular to one segment of the fan base. So when I kind of look at what you've done in your career, and you're a very outspoken guy, I love that about you because you tell it like it is. We see the guy who's running the WWE developmental, and obviously you have a history with him. But based off of your interactions with Triple H, do you think he is the right guy to be running a developmental territory for WWE?
0: Um, Well, I mean, my understanding is he's running NXT. And correct me if I'm wrong. You're um, correct. When I say territory,
4: I mean that whole thing.
0: Okay. So...
4: You know, while
0: I think he's turning out a fairly decent product, I think people, you know, I think people have a misconception of, you know, how I feel about Triple H. You know, you may say, well, I heard what you said. Yeah, but, you know, sometimes that can be misunderstood also. You know, when Triple H went to WCW when he first started, they asked me to, you know, to help train them and, and, and sharpen them up and, And that's what we did. You know, him and I, we tagged, and, you know, it was fun. Um, I, I have no qualms about, you know, Triple H as far as that goes. I also know that somebody had either a Twitter account, I think it was, and they were really going at it with Triple H as me. And I cut a promo and told them to cease and desist because, you know, you're not me, and if it keeps up, you know, I'll find you. You know, and you'll be in a lot of trouble because I don't – if I want to get myself in trouble, I could do that. I don't need somebody else doing it for me. You know, I have a big enough mouth. Um, but as far as Triple H is, my understanding is – and I haven't seen, you know, to be honest, I haven't seen that much NXT. I, I know my, my students tell me mostly about it. But it seems like, you know, for what they say, it's a different product than WWE. Um, and, you know, that, that is good. On the flip side, just like you have TNA, you know, they, I, they're, they're, like, they're a step behind or a year behind Vince. I think if they write really good storylines, they'll, they'll have it made and they'll be really competitive with Vince. Um, WWE, I, I just don't see it. You know, I, I watch a couple of matches from WrestleMania at a buddy of mine's house, and now I understand why I don't watch it. You know, I tried. I did my best. Um, but, again, you know, I mean, the, uh, the match with, with uh, what's his name, their, uh, their big hero. You know, the phony that comes out, Cena. Um, you know, I, I called that spot.
4: You know, you mentioned Vince in there really quick, and that's, it's kind of an interesting relationship, obviously, you know, father-in-law, son-in-law with Triple H. But back when you left the WWE, and now we're talking, what, 1991, 92, did you ever expect Vince McMahon to still be running the show overall the way he still is today?
0: Um, I I know that Vince said he always wanted to do a pay-per-view a month, and he wanted to get rid of the house shows. And um, I I thought, for the most part, that's pretty much where he was going. Um, I also know that they read scripts now. So they're, they're basically told how to wrestle, you know, they read the script This is what we're supposed to do. And when we, in our day, you went out and and you called your match. I mean, you knew what the finish was going to be, but for the most part, that was it. You know, you had to go out there and and you gave the crowd what what you were supposed to give them, not what, you know, not a choreographed match. Um, I don't understand how these guys do it. I really don't. I mean, you read a book, And then you're supposed to remember every spot. That doesn't make any sense to me. But, again, that's my understanding of what's going on. Um, I don't know. You know, Vince always liked guys that were
2: well-built,
0: good-looking. And then, of course, you had to have the not-so-well-built and the not-so-good-looking, you know, and great wrestlers and semi-great wrestlers and plain-out shitty wrestlers. And, um, you know, now I just, again, I don't see the product. I, I just you know you got roman reigns which he looks great he could work great crowd appease, you know appeal he, it's um you know i mean why do they always bring him back the old timers i mean doesn't that tell you something I mean, they they need that spark you know they you know they they need the austins and 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 the rock and you know some of these other guys uh you know i mean i'm i'm surprised undertaker doesn't come back within a year after he heals, I mean, they they need guys like that. You know, those those are the guys. Um,
3: so I don't know.
0: You know, it's again, I I said this on Steve's podcast. I'll say it on yours. Um, my guys are old school. They get it. Uh, I'll put them up with anybody. You know, I know that that Vince or Triple H, they they missed a boat on a lot of young talent that's out there. I don't know what they're, where they're picking their people from, but, you know, there's a hell of a lot more talent that they're passing up, and it's, it's really it's sad because they can make their product that much better, especially after what I see out there. I mean, you know, some of that stuff is just just got awful, and, you know, I wish I could remember some of their names. I mean, now that everybody's wearing jeans and, and, you know, muscle shirts or white beater shirts. I mean, Really? I mean, that that's what it's come down to, hide, hide my body. I don't know. You tell me, man. You guys are the wrestling fans, not me.
4: Well, if you want to know how I spent my day, it was watching a lot of great old-school uh, Power & Glory, uh, Young Stallion, Paul Roman matches. So that's pretty much the extent of my wrestling watching these days. I don't watch the current product, but I want to tie in – you know, what you said about uh, just mentioning just briefly with injuries. Uh, you had one really bad injury that really it almost paid the ultimate price. But these guys today, I mean, they have injuries that are costing the WWE money because I don't know if it's conditioning, if it's just the recklessness or what, but how do you kind of teach your guys with uh, Paradise Alley, like kind of control the, uh, the outcome of your moves because you want to have a career. You don't want to end it before it starts.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, in in WrestleMania that uh, ladder match, um,
4: one of the uh,
0: Dudleys, right? It wasn't a Dudley in it? That
4: was the know, Hard- I, no, I think the Hardys were in that one. I don't think the Dudleys. The were Hard- The Hardys, okay. I'm sorry, the Hardys, Hardleys, Dudleys, whatever. Anyway,
0: the Hard- And I don't know, I mean, I don't disrespect. I really don't. I mean, I think they're, <laughs> you know, they're fantastic. No, I do. I think they're fantastic workers. But if you see when he jumps off the ladder, he actually, you know, his fall should have been across both ladders. But that didn't happen. You know, that, that would have broke most of his uh, most of the impact. Um, you know, now you got to change up and off the top of the cage in, into a, uh, a table, but there's an airbag in the table. Uh, we didn't have those airbags, you know. I mean, when, when our guys did it, they did it. And it was because of their conditioning and, and the good grace of God that, you know, they didn't cripple themselves, though some did. You know, it took its toll later on down the line. Whether it was through you know medication and not getting off it, or you know the injury and the medication, whatever the case may be, but um, you know again, I had I had this young talent, and um, I even uh, Mario Mancini saw him and said, "Man, kid, you got the goods." And he says, "You know, I just where are you from?" Because you know your wrestling is superb, and he says, "Oh, Paul Roma taught me." He goes, "No shit." He goes, "You know, I knew that that's, that style looked familiar." And here's a kid that could have, should have, and didn't go to the WWF or WWE now. And he stayed in the independent circuit, and he's all busted up. And I said, dude, I watched one of his, his matches one night, and I said, dude, what are you doing? You're so much better than this. You're putting yourself through tables. You're getting suplexed and breaking tables in half. You know, you're landing real bad outside the ring. I mean, really? You got sucked into the independent circuit. I said, you know, more of this crazy shit isn't better. You know, I tell, my, I tell my students, what's next? Do you get in the ring, set yourself on fire, and then where do you go for an encore after that? Or you get in the ring and you, you hang yourself, or you put a bullet in your head. You can't come back from that. There's no encore after that. You have to rely on your talent, on your psychology in the ring. I said, because if you don't have that, don't even bother working out, you know, in and wrestling. And they get it, man. They really get it, you know. Every bump means something if they're going to take one. You know, people have to check with me if they're going to do anything outside the ring. There, there, there's no blood in my shows. There's no hand gestures. There's no swearing. Everything is PG at my shows. That's how it started with Vince. That's how I was told. You know, that's cheap heat when you go out and and you flip somebody off or you swear at them. That means you suck because you can't do it any other way. And that's not how it is, you know, at my school. It's just, you know, and you don't have any, again, there's no coverage other than Facebook. Well, I'm not on TV seven days a week like these guys are not like they used to be back in the day. Nobody knows who they are, but you know what? They get it done. You guys need to show up at the next show on the 17th of June, man.
3: Oh, absolutely.
0: And then you can see what I'm talking about. And you tell me if I'm wrong. You know what? If you you think I'm wrong, I want you to not only tell me, I want you to get on your show, and and I'll get on, and I want you to blast me about how wrong I am
3: or how wrong I was
0: about my, my guys and my show. How's that? Other than Tito, don't hold Tito against me, because you know Tito's Tito's you know he's getting up in his age. You know I have all the respect in the world well for Tito. Don't get me wrong, but he's not the young guy that he used to be. So you just critique my 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 guys, my matches, and then we'll go from there. How's that? That fair enough?
3: That sounds good. It sounds like a plan. With this league, you said you, know, you kind of did the PG thing you know, like, like Vince did, but how did you actually get to Vince, and how did you actually get into the WWF and make your debut in New York? Oh, man.
0: You want the lie or you want the truth?
3: <laughs> I guess the truth.
0: Well, I mean, I could give you the story that, you know, all the people, you know, uh, need to know. And then I could give you the the story that is the truth that the people should know. So, I mean, the the truth is that I was well off um, financially, had homes, multifamily, great job, marriage, um, everything going for me. And then my baby sister was born. And found out that she had Down syndrome. And it tore me apart because I had all this talent, all this health. And I said, what am I doing so great with my life? I got all this, man. But, but what good is all that if, you know, I can't, you know, I got a sister that is like that. So I said, I got to become a role model. How do I do that? So I got into wrestling. And I set my course and I said, no matter what happens or how badly I get hurt, I'm gonna stay the course and I'm gonna become a role model for kids. And my little sister was the whole thing behind it. She was everything behind it. Those days I you know, was hurting or you know, the first couple of months when I tore my knee up, I just kept going and going and going. And all I thought about was my baby sister who had trouble walking and I'm gonna complain about a torn up knee not not me. Um, and I just, I just endured and kept going on. She's my inspiration. So, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you can only do so much. So I became a spokesperson for St. Jude's Foundation. Um, go visit all those kids. I reached out to a lot of kids while we were on the road. Um, I actually met uh, one of the spokespeople for uh, St. Jude when I was in Tennessee. And that got me, got that ball rolling. Um, you know, hospitals, visiting hospitals, and, um, yeah, I thought that was a really, really nice thing. Um, I wasn't phony like the other guys that they threw in the wrestling books. They asked to throw me in there, and I said, no, I want to do charity for who I want to do it for. I don't need people just, you know, using me because of my name. I want to get out there and do it myself. So they kept me out of the books, which was fine by me. Um, It was all free. They didn't have to pay me to go meet these kids like they did some of the other wrestlers um, who didn't want to be there anyway. And I won't mention any names because I have no respect for them, but I'll just leave them being assholes that they are. And uh, then Ray and I got together, Hercules, and I came up with the name Power Glory, which stood for Strength in God. And I said, listen, the only way this team's going to work is if you do what, what I've been doing. And Ray having, you know, about 600 kids, I'm just joking, I love him, um, said absolutely, I'm, I'm bored, man, I am, I am 100% in. And that's what made us take off. So no matter how Vince tried to bury us, um, we still got out there. People still loved us. Um, you know, we visited a lot of kids, hospitals. And, um, but, again, he still has the power of the pencil. So as much as we should have been on top for a long time, Vince made sure that that didn't happen. And I have no control over that. Vince is more powerful than God while he's on this earth. I can tell you that right now. Because he has the power of the pencil, brother.
3: And it's crazy that power and glory, like you said, such an underrated tag team. Such awesome you know, putting the, you know, obviously, you know, the power guy and then the speed guy, you know, the high flyer with the power guy. Hercules, one of the most underrated talents of all time, just the way he looked, but then the way he worked in the ring and then putting you guys together and then even throwing Slick in there, who was obviously a great talker himself. I felt that team was a bit underrated. Obviously, I think you probably feel the same way, right?
0: I mean, of course, I mean, we were underrated and, um, you know, I, I got to go with something Brett Hart said, which was, you know, you guys are the greatest tag team I've ever seen. And I told him, I said, well, damn, Brett, you know, I, I really appreciate that. You know, coming from you, That that that's a great, you know, compliment. And and when we beat the Hart Foundation in Nassau Coliseum for the belts, and then they took them away from us that night because they said we cheated, okay. Um, you know, I turned to Ray and I said, you know, damn, did you hear that crowd, dude? And he said, yeah I said, it was deafening I said, they cheered us over the Heart Foundation He goes, that's right He goes, but you know what? We'll never see those belts again And I said, what are you talking about? He said, we'll never see him again Because we're over And you didn't create us I mean, uh, Vince didn't create us, you did And he was right Never saw him again
3: which is crazy because like you said, the power of the pencil and sometimes the underrated guys of a great team like power and glory kind of gets screwed. But, you know, on, on the more the positive note of you and, and Hercules together, what was that chemistry like? What was that relationship like with you guys? Cause it seems like you guys bonded pretty well together.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I first started out with SD Jones down in Australia and we gelled, you know, it was good. Super guy. Um, Then came back here and got with Powers And and we were like um, You know, oil and vinegar We just didn't mix But it's what the office wanted And I had to deal with, you know His his ways, his attitude Whatever you want to say Um, And again, that's my side, he has his And what really happened, right? Um, Then uh, We got with uh, Ray, but I'm going to jump one ahead I got with Paul Orndorff Paul is a beautiful person a fantastic man and um now we'll go back to ray ray and i gelled there was no if, ands or buts about it uh, i knew what he was thinking when he brought a guy over and he knew what i was thinking it was the freakiest thing um that two people he 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 got it and and i got it and i said to him and he said to me one day um uh, Ray said, you know, a lot of guys don't like you. And I said, well, Ray, that's because they don't know me. And he goes, well, you used to let them get to know you. I said, you know what, Ray, if they ain't got the time to get to know me, I ain't got time for them. And he goes, Oh, I hear you. So he goes, I get you, man. And I said, I know you do. That's why we are who we are. They can't stop us, Ray. Don't you understand? There's, it's bigger than these guys. I mean, you know, they, they try to beat us and beat us and beat us, but they can't. They just can't stop, you know, so they broke us up in France. They split us up, and that's when I walked away, and and they told Ray one story. They told uh, him that, you know, basically I was out for myself, and, and uh, you know, I hadn't spoken to Ray in a while, um, and then when I went down to Florida, him and I had lunch, and, And we spoke and I knew something was wrong and I asked him and he told me the story and I said, Ray, I'm your daughter's godfather. I said, you are my blood, dude. I said, I have nothing but love for you. I said, do you ever think I would ever turn on you? I said, you know, I'm almost hurt that you'd even think something like that. I know they sucked you in, but, you know, to the bullshit, but, uh, you know, I said, that would never happen. And I told them what happened. I, you know, Pat told me they were going to take care of me. They told me not to worry about him. He'll be okay. And I said, What do you mean he'll be okay? And I'm like, Oh, no, he'll be all right. And I said, You know what, Pat? Fuck you. I said, I'm done. I don't need this bullshit anymore. So we're a great tag team, man. I'm walking. So, you know, we were, I was going home the next day. We're in France. And um, I went uh, by the office. You know, he told me to think about it, and I went by the office. I told Vincent I quit. I had enough, and, you know, him and I went at it. So it is what it is. Um, I made amends as far as clearing up that bad story. You know, they always try to pull that shit. You know, grown men acting like little children. I don't get it, but it is what it is. I keep it real, man. People don't like me. I don't give a shit. I tell the truth. You don't like to hear the truth? You can't live with it because you can't live with yourself. It's not my fault. It's your fault. You're the asshole, not me. You know, I mean, people are, oh, you burn your bridges. Burn what bridges? What am I burning? At the end of the day, you know, people say this, that, and the other thing, you know, about me and Triple H. And you got this thing going on with, I got nothing going on with the kid. I mean, if I see the guy, I'm going to say hello to him, shake his damn hand. I'm not going to turn my back and put my nose up in the air. It's not like that. You know, I mean, he done, he did stupid things. Everybody does stupid things. He said things about me before I cut the Horseman video. I heard different things. Now, whether it was the truth or it was I, I don't know. But you know what? I said what I had to say. We could settle it anytime time he fucking wants. All you got to do is call me up. It's not hard to find me. You guys found me. Just call me up, man. I'll meet you anywhere. Same thing with Vince. Vince is a businessman. He's an asshole when, when you're on the back burner, and he's the greatest guy in the world when he's giving you the push. It's every businessman. But why? Because no one else says that about him? Why? Because they think they're going to get called back someday, you know? Hey, Tony Atlas, Vince may call you to say nice things about him. Come on, <laughs> man. Wake up and smell the damn coffee. You ain't going back. I'm 58 years old. I could still run up the roads backwards, but I ain't going back. That's the reality of it all. I'm not waiting for, sitting by my phone, waiting for Vince to call me or Triple H to call me. It's not going to happen. These guys are out of their, excuse my language, their fucking minds if they think that's going to happen. Your, your days are over. You know what? I, read, I rode my wave, okay? It came crashing to the shore. I got off my surfboard, and I walked it for another wave. Does that makes sense?
3: Absolutely. I felt like that might have been a, a powerplex right there, that old awesome finisher from you and Herc. Made perfect There you go,
0: man. I did the power and the glory one shot.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, listen, Ray and I are going into a, the New England Hall of Fame. At least it's some recognition. You know, to see Vince pull us into that will never happen in my lifetime. Ray wrestled Hogan. He wrestled uh, Billy Jack. He did main events in the Garden against Hogan and everybody else. He doesn't deserve to go there. Are you crazy? But you put in somebody like, who's that? Those, those fucking idiots. They come out and they sing one song and Vince puts them in the Hall of Fame. Really? Really? Are you serious? What did they ever contribute to wrestling? They didn't give their blood, sweat, and tears to wrestling. You're going to disrespect somebody like Hercules, right?
3: That's just bullshit. Long overdue.
0: It's just bullshit, man. But you know what? He's long overdue in the whole thing. It's the power, dude. It's the power of the pencil. It's all it is. But he ain't going to stop us from going into Joe Bruin's New England Hall of Fame, unless he tells Ray's wife, well, if he goes in there, I'm not going to put him in mine. Well, then put him in yours. That's all. Put him in yours. Either way, he should be going. He deserves a recognition.
3: Absolutely. A great yeah, he was a guy.
0: He was a fantastic Definitely. wrestler. He was a great draw. And on the downside, which nobody knows, he's a phenomenal dad
3: long overdue in the hall of fame. I mean, that's for sure. Did it bother you and did it bother him at WrestleMania seven against LOD when that was like a quick match? Don't you feel like you guys deserved better or was it something you, you, you just kind of put out of your mind?
0: No, I mean, the, the, um, the fact of the matter was, was that, um, we were both hurt. And when I, I just came from the hospital in LA and, and, uh, I told Vince, I said, hey, you know, I can't wrestle. He goes, what do you mean you can't wrestle? Uh, You know, if you looked on the tape, my arm's all bandaged up, my elbow. I said, well, the doctor said if I hit my elbow, I can lose my arm. And he started with the, you know, Jesus Christ, Paul, please, I need you to wrestle. I need you to wrestle. I said, Vince, who's going to take care of my family? i lose my arm. You know I will, Paul. You know I will. I'll take care of them. I said, well, Ray retores groin. He can't do anything. I said, he, he could probably jog to the ring on it. He can, really can't walk. He could jog. I know that sounds kind of weird, but, you know, he goes, listen. He goes, I'll have all the matches run longer. Can you give me one minute? I just need one minute. I can't not have you guys go out there. And I, we were like, fine, we'll go out there. So I went and got my elbow all bandaged up. And we kind of quick started, you know, the quick jump. They got rid of Ray hoisted me up on their shoulders. And that was the end of it. End of story. I don't, I don't, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not pissed about it. It was business. Um, LOD, great guys, uh, especially uh, Hawk, you know, phenomenal. Um, so yeah, I have, I don't hold anything against anybody for that. I mean, we were hurt. You can't go out there and tell the people you were hurt. We were hurt. I mean, we were hurt really bad. Um, you know, to the point where we couldn't do much. So what are
3: we, you know, what are we supposed to do? We gave them the best minute we could. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was nothing like when you guys wrestled the Rockers and, like, tore down the house. You guys had so many good matches with them. It was, you know, polar opposite of those matches. Oh,
0: my God. You know, they were, they were an absolute pleasure to work with. They really were. I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't a, a match Matter of fact, in, in Chicago, in the Rosemont Horizon, I don't know what they call it now, but uh, in the Rosemont Horizon, they, um, we, we were on before, uh, before um, Hogan. And after our match, Hogan couldn't follow it. And the next night, they put us on main event, or last, however you want to call it, because uh, Hogan didn't like you know us uh, stealing the limelight from him. But, I mean, we tore the place down. The Rockers were so smooth uh, between the way they worked and between Ray and I, the way we worked. It was it was just, you know, I mean, like pouring water, man. It was smooth. There was nothing better than, than that. So, um, but again, you know, you're dealing with egos. You know, Hogan always had to be on top. Uh, he was supposed to be friends with, with Ray. My understanding, he was supposed to be friends with Ray. But, uh, you know, he he didn't do anything for Ray. Hogan was always about Hogan. All Hogan ever cared about was what's in it for him. So, But let's not go there.
4: Now, I, uh, I, I got to tell you, and this is uh, – I mean, you're the perfect guy to talk about it because there's not many people that can really give us this much detail. But I, I just – I love all the talk about Hercules because I just feel like – not that he's getting lost to time, but I just feel like this new generation of fans is not – appreciating a guy like Hercules who made his way through the territories, uh, was on top, had main event matches. And then by the time he got with you in that tag team, I mean, that came out of left field where you guys turned. I mean, that was one, if you watched in that era, you you didn't see it coming. I mean, it was legit out of nowhere, but the chemistry you guys had was uh, absolutely off the charts. Now you said you came up with the power and glory thing. Now, so that means that you came up with the sunglasses, and with that, we give you the thumbs up.
0: <laughs> well, you know, we like the lightning bolt. Um, we, we wanted something that, you know, a pair of glasses that were, you know, more, looked more like a lightning bolt, basically, you know. Uh, the office came up with those. We wore them. They didn't last long. They kept breaking, you know. we They only gave us so many pairs. Uh, we designed I was in the office and, and I like to cut off. So we went with that because we had the bodies for it. So that's what we went with. Um, you know, the whole premise of it was no matter what happens, uh, I always pin the guy. I'm the glory. So he could do whatever he wants. But at the very end, he tags me. I walk in, I pin the guy. And he loved it. He thought it was great. He thought it was fantastic. Um, he's the power on the glory. But when we get beat, he never gets beat. They always beat me, and that was the other half of it, um, and it happened in in the Garden where we were supposed to wrestle the, um, uh, was it Legion of Doom? Is that what they went by when they came to WWF, Hawk and Animal? Yeah, L-O-D, yep. L-O-D, yeah, and so, you know, we got to the Garden, and I think Hawk, yeah, Hawk was hurt, so... Ray comes in, he goes, hey, you know, Hawk's hurt. He goes, uh, I said, well, I I got Animal. It's me and him, no problem. I said, who's going over? He goes, well, Animal is. I said, well, then I got him, you know. So he comes in the locker room to me, Ray, and he says, "Uh, hey, man, he goes, "Uh, they're putting him over on me. And I said, no, they're not. He goes, yeah, they just told me that. They want Animal over on me. I said, well, I'm going to talk to Vince. So we went to Vince, and I say, Vince, I said, you know, I got a problem here. And he goes, what's the matter? I said, well, you're, you're putting an animal over on Ray. I said, he's my glory. I mean, he's my power. I said, you beat the power, you beat the whole team. I said, you could beat me all day. We don't get hurt, but you beat the power. I said, we might as well call, call it a day. It's over. So he goes, what do you want to do? I said, I'll go out there against him. He goes, okay, done. I said, thank you. And that was it. So I went out there and I gave him my triple backbreaker, which I had to hide for about two weeks, uh, from, uh, from Animal because he was pissed. The guys were razzing him <laughs> that I'd throw him around like a newspaper with my triple backbreaker. Um, but I thought it was a good match overall. I, I, you know, I thought uh, I had a lot of fun anyway. Um, you know, Ray used to tell me, he goes, listen, man, you're as strong as the house. He goes, do what you want to do. I said, no, they told me I can't press people over my head. They said, leave that up to you. He goes, just do it. You don't listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> So,
4: yeah, I mean, it, you know, you could have was... called the team power and power. I mean, I hate to say it, you know, it's uh, if you were there today, you know, you'd probably be bigger than you know, nine tenths of the guys that uh, that are working. But you know, I always thought the power and the power because just because you know, you could do the flying, like I said before, the finesse, you did it all. But you know, if we just take a step back uh, for a second, just to cover the uh, you know, the young stallion stuff, just for the uh, the vintage WWF fan out there, uh, You guys, obviously, ridiculous physiques at that point. Uh, Is that why they paired you two together? Because they felt you guys had that similar look?
3: Um,
0: I don't – well, I I mean, I I know the gist of it. I don't know why they picked him and me, but um, I know that Tom Zink and Martel split up, and they were going to be the next tag team champs. Um, So what happened was they said, you know, holy God, you know, what are we going to do? So they turned to us and they say, listen, we're going to call you guys Young Stallions. You know, so when, the, you know, when we announced that Zinc and, and Martell, were they strike force or something?
4: Uh, Zink and Martell were the Can-Ams, and then Tito and Martell were the strike that's, force.
0: Okay. Yeah, so the Can-Am connection. Uh, and they were phenomenal. I mean, they had so much energy. It was, it was tremendous. Uh, they broke up, so they... They made the announcement. As they made the announcement, they told us to hit the ring, so we did. And people were kind of booing us, you know, and understandable. So we were in, I don't know, maybe Vegas or something, and, and they said, hey, Jimmy said, hey, they're going to call us the Young Stallions. They're going to make us a tag team. And I was like, okay. And he goes, no, nah, man, it's a joke, you know. I'm like, well, is it a joke? Or He goes, no, you know, what we call a rib. He goes, they're ribbing us. I said, what are you talking about? So they grabbed me and they said, "Hey, we're gonna name you guys Young Stallions." I said, "Well, that's great, thank you." You know, and he's like, "No, oh, it's a stupid man, the Young Stallions. It's a joke. You know, they're playing a rib on us." And I'm like, "Dude, not a rib." So they started to give us a push, you know. And then somebody said, "Why don't you call yourselves the Italian Stallions?" And Jimmy goes, "I'm not Italian. You know, I'm Greek or whatever he's saying." I said, "Jimmy." But the money you're going to make, who gives a shit if you're Puerto Rican? It doesn't matter. Just tell him you're Italian. What's it matter, dude? You know, but right from the get-go, it was pulling teeth with this dude. So, left it as it was, and things didn't get any better. We I don't know how long we were together, and uh, that was it. I, I uh, had enough of his shenanigans and called it a day. And that's when people, well, Pat got pissed because he put us together. He created the Young Stallions, Pat Patterson. And then after I called it quits on him, um, they floated me around a little bit. Uh, got, you know, some wins under my belt. Got real good bookings. Uh, Jimmy was just floating, you know, in, in, in the lost fields. and and, um, and then I went to the – I was traveling around with Ray. Even though he was a bad guy, I was a good guy. And uh, so I went to the office with an idea. And I talked to Pat. And Pat said, oh, come to TV and run it by Vince. So we did. And there we had it.
4: And the rest they say is, uh, is history because, you know, it was, uh, it, it was great. But I also got to say, watching you, you know, as a, as a younger lad, always felt that Paul Roma could have done a lot better as a heel. And is that something you were pushing for throughout that Young Stallions run?
0: I'm not pushing for it. Uh, I I definitely wasn't a baby face.
4: You know, my
0: uh, persona, uh, and I'm going to say this, Perfect said it best. When I turn heel, Perfect watched one of my matches, and he says, I come out of the match, and he said to me, what would you think? And I said, just doesn't feel right. He goes, no. I said, well, Jack told me that, you know, that's what he wanted out of me. He goes, Jack told you. He goes, listen to me. Don't hit me. Don't take this the wrong way. Just be yourself. Be that asshole that everybody thinks you are when you walk in the locker room. You know, you're all about yourself, how you carry yourself, you know, your nose up in the air. That's who you need to be. So the next night I went out there. He was obviously on the same tour with me, and I did my thing. And he, I came out. And he goes, how was that? I said, phenomenal. He goes, that's what you need to do every night. That was it. And that was the end of it. That was, it was a piece of cake. So once I turned heel on Jimmy and I started to make that little bit of a run, um, Power and Glory came together.
3: They liked it.
0: Um, we said we wanted to be bad guys. Vince put us out there against two baby faces. We beat the shit out of them, and the people cheered us. Then he put us out against two more, you know, more known baby faces. People cheered us. He goes, what the hell am I going to do with you guys? They're cheering you. You're beating up my baby faces, and they're cheering you. So then he (laughs) cut the music for us, figured that would help. It didn't help. Then he threw Slick out there with us, and that really didn't help. So then they set up that big angle with uh, the Rockers where he slid into the ring at um, SummerSlam in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. And that turned us immediate, yes.
4: It basically looked like you guys killed uh, Shawn Michaels to the point where, I mean, give him credit for the selling, give you guys credit for the beatdown. I mean, you literally thought Shawn Michaels would never walk again. But then also Marty in the ring, I mean, his performance against the two of you I mean, the crowd was there. I mean, that is one underrated match of that era that you two guys, I think it was an opener, too, that you guys, it was a hot crowd to start a show, and that angle just beating the ever-living hell out of Shawn Michaels on the outside, and then you guys and Jannetty, perfect match, perfect time. Do you, uh, do you really look back at that match as a benchmark for you uh, with Ray in Power and Glory?
0: Phenomenal match. Actually, USA Today rated it number one match of the night.
4: Yeah, it's better than anything else on the on the show if you look back
0: at it. Yeah, and then when I put my foot on Marty's chest at the end for the three count, the guys try to start trouble in the locker room. Why'd you let him do that? Blah, 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 blah. And he was like, it's fine, man. It's all Marty and I had no problems with each other. You know? Neither did Sean and myself. You know, Sean went his, went his way when when he saw his opportunity to, you know, to strike it, you know, strike while the iron's hot. So he befriended uh, Triple H and, you know, they did their thing. And he basically left Marty on the back burner, which, you know, Marty was his own person of self-destruction. So you can't blame Sean for it. So, you know, but again, let's How, how, how rated is this show? How nasty can I get?
4: Yeah, do whatever you got
0: to okay, do. So, All right, so let's just put it this way, okay? Let's put it in hindsight. It's 2020, right? If you got to take it in the ass or you got to suck someone's dick, let him suck your dick, you do it. That's what makes you get ahead, okay? I didn't do that. I didn't have it done to me. I didn't do it to anybody else, nor did Ray. That's how we were, okay? One of the biggest jokes in the locker room with Ray was, hey, if my partner would only let him suck his, suck his dick, then we'd be main event every night, okay? And that was the big running joke, all right? That didn't fly with us. So maybe it's because we didn't do that, that we didn't get our push. Now, I'm not saying that people that got a push did that. Don't get me wrong, because I know that'd be all twisted, turned around every which way you can to get heat, you know, on my side. But at the end of the day, let's just say Ray and I, we were straight arrows, we didn't play that game, that card. That wasn't. That just wasn't in our our, uh, our traveling uh, suitcase. So we did what we needed to do. We kept it straight and, and honest. We worked hard. We trained hard, and that was the end of it. We we looked for what was what we were due, and we didn't get what we were due. So, but you know what? They couldn't stop us. Just like you're talking about it right now, power and glory. That's one tag team. Just like I had the drop kick, highest drop kick ever in professional wrestling. It's in the books. They can't take it away from me. Wait till someone else could jump and kick Big John Stout off the top of his head. Yeah, seven feet. I want to see someone else do it. Plant their left foot on his forehead and the right foot over the top of his head. I want to see someone else do that. Not happening. So you know what? They could say what they want. They could call me a jobber. They could call me second rate. They could call me whatever they want. You know what? I know that I made it. And I made it right. Straight arrow. I didn't do anything I wasn't supposed to do. I kept it clean. I didn't bend over for nobody. Neither did Ray. So you know what? They could all take that to the bank. And as far as those those couch potatoes that think they're real wrestling fans that think, you know, they're better than everybody else. They could kiss my ass too.
4: And it really, it's, it's a lot of horse shit. only because if you didn't watch and a lot of these fans now did not watch back then, they don't get it. They don't respect what you guys went through. And obviously, I mean, what you're talking about, that was a huge scandal in the nineties. It happened. It was real. People resigned, including the guy you mentioned a little bit ago He had to resign because of the scandals going on. But knowing the culture, knowing that that stuff was going on, I mean, do you guys just laugh at the fact that the media picked up on it and the media just literally exposed a whole underbelly of the business at that point?
0: Yeah, I guess, I mean, how long can you keep it quiet? Let's put it this way. In today's day and age, you couldn't get away with what was gotten away with back then because of social media. You just couldn't. WWE would have been shut down or WWF would have been shut down with Facebook and Twitter and everybody posting pictures. They'd have shut it down. He'd have nobody to wrestle. Then I'll be gone. Everyone be gone. You know, who's, who's over here doing what and who's over there doing what? Forget it, man. Even overseas, you know, now it's different. You know, there's, there's a uh, tighter, tighter watch. Um, the business is different, so you know. I mean, we do. We laugh at it. Yeah, we we're hoping that nothing bad would come of it because we had our jobs on the line. <laughs> you know, if they get Vince, they got us, man. We're out. <laughs> no more WWF. Um, you know, and again, a lot of people kept their mouths shut. Um, a lot of people were offered, you know, not to testify. Uh, you know, hey, you know, you could. You know, he may call you back. You know, we, you, you, you got a big payday coming, you know, uh, whatever it took. And, um, you know, is that tampering with witnesses? Of course it is. Does anybody care? No. You know, is it back then? Yeah. So it doesn't matter enough if I'm talking about it, you know. It's, uh, you know, too far, too far removed. Um, but, again, it is what it is. That's what happened back then. So... You know, he got away with it. He's a billionaire. Good for him. Triple H married into the family. Good for him. Um, I think the only real person out of the whole thing is, is Linda. She seemed to be the only straight shooter any time I ever met her. You know, she was great. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, again, when when Ray and I were coming up on top, so to speak, you know, Vince loved us, man. He gave us the time of day, any time of day. You know, go sit down and have lunch with him. Pick his brain. It was good stuff, man. Had a lot of great talks with Vince. That's why my school and, and my students are so successful. You know, the angles I've created are so entertaining. You know, guys, just, guys that come, you know, when they see me, they're like, what are you going to do next the top to top the last show? I'm like, oh, you got to come and find out. And then I topped the Damn, you topped the last one too. I'm like, yeah, wait till you see the next one. Because, you know, I used, you know, a lot of what, well, most of what Vince showed me, what Pat showed me, Uh, these things they taught me, you know, look, at this is why we do this, this is why we do that. I absorbed all that. You know, could I write better storylines than they got going on now? Yeah. You want to hear a great one? I'm going to share with you and the people. So John Cena, the whole thing was set up that he asked her. To marry him But she was like In a concussion Or something like that Or just kind of Knocked out right around was Something yeah. like that Yep Yep. Okay So What they should have done was John Cena gets down On his knee And he says Remember When I asked you And you said You didn't remember Didn't remember When I asked you
3: She goes Yeah yeah yeah
0: Well I asked you To marry me And then she Goes all crazy And oh yeah I will He goes yeah But That was then I'm not asking you now. He closes the box. <laughs> he turns total heel, and now you got another couple of years of a hot, hot, super hot John Cena heel. I love it. Just For
3: some reason they won't turn him heel. I'm Not really sure why.
0: Uh, maybe because he's throwing a lot of product. I don't know.
3: But they'll still get
0: you know they'll still get that pay per view going. Oh, yeah. They need something yeah.
3: Something interjected in some life. But yeah. Or maybe could, he
0: doesn't want to be healed. Who the hell knows? I don't know. Yeah. But he's been if hot. I, really hot, man.
3: If I could pick your brain a little bit about the time in WCW, because obviously, you know, we touched on you leaving WWF, and you know, you kind of went, you separate ways there. But you go into WCW, and they kind of give you a big push. They put you with the Horsemen, Rick Flair and Arn Anderson. You're teaming with Arn. You're winning the tag title. Did you like going with the Horsemen, or did you not really fit in with the four
0: Horsemen? Um, I mean, I liked going with it. I, I thought it was a great honor. You know, Dusty Rhodes telling me, it was a, you know, I'm going to make you a Horseman." Uh, you know, I walked out on stage, and I was calling Dusty's name, and he called over and said, you know, pretty Paul, you know, and, and uh, he comes walking over he come over here, baby, give me a hug. And he goes, pretty, you're so pretty. He goes, you know what, that's what I want to call you, pretty, pretty Paul Roma. So right then and there, pretty Paul Roma was one of the horsemen. Um, nobody knew about it. It was, uh, you know, total kayfabe. Uh, when I walked into uh, to, uh, the Army in Atlanta, people looked at me like they saw a ghost. What the hell is this guy doing here? You know, nobody wanted anybody from, you know, up, up north. Um, but, you know, it was cool. And uh, I got along with Arn really well. Tried to get along with Rick. With, uh, seemed like Rick. I did for a while. Hard to tell. Um, always that, I, that rough spot, it seemed. Uh, come I'm out of the ring, and it was, we don't do that. Okay. Horsemen don't do that. Okay. okay. Now, horsemen don't sell like that, okay. You know, it was always something. Um when I was with Arn there was never a problem. Uh when we traveled together, you know, Arn kinda stood quiet and you know, Rick ran the show. I get it. You know, he's he's the big deal. I get it. Um but yeah, I don't know. You know, it just didn't seem to gel. I tried. Just didn't seem to gel. And then uh you know when Paul came, came over to me and said, "Hey, you know they're gonna they want to tag us. Yeah, are you okay with that?" I said, "With you, absolutely, brother. You know." And uh, then I came to name pretty, pretty cool. wonderful.
3: So Definitely, I like you saying, and Paul Orndorff were a good mix. What's that? Definitely, seemed like you and Orndorff were a good mix. I like the chemistry you guys had. Two mm-hmm. awesome heels, kind of playing off of each other. Yeah, I mean, you know, what was nice about
0: Paul is he's real. Speaks from the heart. He didn't sugarcoat anything. He was constantly, you know, teaching me things. Um, you know, you always learn something. Uh, Paul was one of the guys in the WWF when I had first started that called me over and said, hey, he goes, hey, kid, you got, you know what? He goes, you got a minute? Can I can I tell you something? Can I give you some good advice? And I said, absolutely. And so he said, uh got a great body, great look, and you can wrestle. He says, I'm going to tell you something right now. Vince ain't going to do anything with you. And I was like, holy shit. Talk about tearing someone's heart out, right?
3: <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, uh, really.
0: He goes, so what you have to do is you've got to go out there, and whatever Paul Roma does, you give the crowd what Paul Roma does every night. Whether you're tired or you're busted up, you're hurting, you go out there and do it. And uh, that stuck, and that's what I did. You know, there's times I didn't want to drop kick, but you know what? I did. Maybe it wasn't as high because I was hurting, <laughs> but I did it. And um, that stuck with me in my entire career. And then we end up rendezvousing in WCW and tagging up, and I sure the hell told him that again. He was, you remember that. I said, no, I never forgot it, Paul. And he's just real, man. You know, he's just real. Those, those people are hard to find, you know. Those are what you call keepers, man. Um, so yeah, we hit it off really well uh, We talked in the car About the match What we could do better Maybe what we shouldn't have done Maybe what we should have stopped them from doing And um, that's a good tag team You know, that's, that's how it works You know, you discuss what you did You don't just have a match and Get in the car, drive to the next town And not talk about it Not if you want to make yourself better So that's what we did
3: It's such a good pairing of heels. I mean, you guys obviously win the tag titles twice. And, you know, you go on, you fight Stars and Stripes and uh, Bagwell and Scorpio, and then you had some good matches with even Kevin Sullivan and Cactus Jack. So it seemed like the chemistry was there, and you guys were able to pull good matches out of all different types of teams. Do you guys pride yourselves on being able to not only wrestle one style but every style and pull a good match out of any tag team?
0: I don't know how other guys feel. Um, We tried to get the best match, no matter who we worked with, the best match possible because we felt that the fans deserved it. And that's what we wanted to give them. We wanted to give them a great match. Not good, great. You know, we got out of the, uh, of the, um, of the match. Um, you know, we go back and, and you know, we look at each other. And Ray did it with me. I did it with Paul. Um, it was one of those things, you know, what'd you think? Like, I liked it. I was like, you sure? And he goes, well, what do you think? And I was like, yeah, I thought it was damn good. It goes, good, good, good. It was good, you know? And, and that's what it would be like. Um, you know, and then I like, you know, we could probably tighten this up here. or You know, maybe we could have done that or maybe we shouldn't have thrown that one spot in. Like, yeah, well, you know, it didn't hurt us. Though. I'm like, no, it didn't hurt, but, you know, it's just one thing, and but that's how we broke things down. Um, I don't know what anybody else did, but I know Ray and I, we, we just talked extensively. You know, the, the longer the ride, dude, it wouldn't be silent in that car. And we hated, hated traveling with anybody else. We just loved traveling with each other because we could just talk. You know, and that was one of the things. If you got something to say about anybody, you say it to your partner, say it in the car when you two are alone. And this way it's Makes only sense. between you two. Yeah. And that's how it was. You know, so it was great. You know, guys would be like, hey, man, you guys going here tomorrow? Yeah, 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 you know. What time are you getting in? Oh, what time is your flight? Yeah, yeah, we, we got a car. Yeah, we'll go do this, whatever. We, we didn't want to. We didn't want to travel on anybody else. It was nicer just traveling him and me. He would drive during the day, and I would drive at night. That was our
3: that was our rules. Now, with obviously, you know, with him and WF, that's kind of the good high point and a great team. But in WCW, were you happy there, or was it kind of like, ah, eh, you know, I don't know if this is quite the right fit for me? Obviously, pretty wonderful was a pretty good success, but overall, were you happy with
4: WCW?
0: Yeah, I think it was less stressful in WCW. Um, you know, I mean, well, they brought me in on a high spot, that's for sure, uh, with the horsemen. Um, there was no stress factor. It's, you know, this is where you are. Um, you know, their downside was they flip belts like, you know, you change your draws. You get up one morning, you're like, oh, I've had these on for two days. Let me change them. That's what they did with their belts. I mean, there was like, hey, we're going to turn you on arm today. Okay you know don't even build it just turn on them one day you decide that you don't like them you're going to turn on them you know they they had no really good storylines um to speak of but um yeah there was no there was no stress there i i know uh you know that i recall i have no problems there and same to w w f you know i mean you're starting out you know you're you have no idea what's going on you know you take anything you can get get down to WCW you've pretty much established who you are what you are and um, again it wasn't uh, it wasn't stressful. That's what everybody asked me. What was the most stressful locker room you were in? It had to be WWF because you didn't know if you were going to get fired the next day. They didn't need a reason. <laughs> they just shit canned you. WCW
3: is different. Was that rumor true that in ninety seven you were almost gonna come back to the WWF?
0: No, a buddy of mine
3: um wanted to get into
0: wrestling. I begged him no. And uh he he was relentless. If you knew this kid you you would understand the word relentless. And uh another buddy of Mars called me up and, and I explained him why. I didn't want to train him, so he goes, I understand. So I finally caved in, and uh, Fuji, we went down to Tennessee, and Fuji was training us as a tag team. Uh, Not that I needed it, uh, but he was trying to get me to gel with him, make him understand how it works. And then I went to the office, to Vince's office, and I said, hey, listen, you know, we're, I I told them we were cousins, because we looked alike for the most part. And uh, so they said, okay, well, we'll give you a shot in, um, I don't know, just say Nassau Coliseum in New Haven. So we went into Nassau Coliseum. We wrestled two guys, and they kind of roughed him up a little bit. And, you know, he was green. He didn't know. Um, so then they said, okay, he's probably nervous, so come to New Haven tomorrow, and we'll give you another shot. So we came down to New Haven, and they put us with some some – enhancer that was a total jerk off and some other guy I don't even know who the other guy was but um that just never panned out we were called the we called ourselves the pretty primos we came down with tuxes on they tore off just you know peeled them away um yeah it never just didn't pan out so you know
3: it went by the wayside that was it no biggie now, as I start to wind it down a bit here, you had quite a career. Obviously, we touched on it before. You're one of those guys not only with the finesse, but you had the power moves, you had the awesome drop kick. The power flex was an awesome move that just, you know, one of the great fin- finishers, obviously, for a tag team. But as far as in-ring and your matches are concerned, do you have a, like a favorite match or maybe a couple favorite matches that really stick out above the others?
0: Um, single or tag? Oh, either one. Tag match got to be with the Rockers, hands down. Ray and I against the Rockers, and it's right, right in the front of my forehead. Probably all the concussions I had. I can't remember anymore after that. But um, yeah, um, that was, and that was really cool. I mean, most people probably think you know, it was when you win the tag belts, right? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Um, even like Survivor, you know, we were the first team to go all the way in Survivor. Yes. And um, but you know, it was a highlight, but it wasn't a great match. It was all choppy and shit, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's it's weird. It's just I I didn't fit. Let's just put it that way. As much of an athlete as I was, you know, I didn't fit into that that band of gypsies, you know, it was just one of those things. There's so much jealousy. You you'd never seen so many grown men, so insecure about who they are, their character, their ability to work. Um, yeah. And I didn't really find out till way later, but by then I was already established. So it didn't, didn't much matter. You know, guys trying to get you in trouble with other guys. Um, but I fell into the right people, Mr. Fuji, who trained me, um, Harley Race, who helped, you know, obviously work with me because of the relationship I had with Fuji and then with Harley and, um, you know, just Les Thatcher. Um, I don't know. I don't want to forget any guys, you know. I just – it's hard to think unless I write these things down knowing I'm going to have an interview <laughs> Um, but you know, these, you know, you know, Mr. Perfect, you know, another one, um, take his brain, you know? Um, yeah, these, these are guys that, that just, they knew their shit. You could sit and listen to them talk all day, you know, um, everything made sense. And that's what I do with my guys. I explain everything to them. I want them to be fully aware of what's going on. You know, and, and why it works the way that it works. And that's why you stand out. I mean, my guys went down for a tryout at, I don't know, it was like a Monster Factory kind of thing. And three of my guys got picked. They were the only three guys to be picked to wrestle that night for the show. I mean, that's not coincidence. Stand it out. I mean, you got 40 guys there and my three get picked, come on, that's not, that's not shit luck right there. That's talent right there. Um, yeah, I'd love to have an in. You know, I'd love to have a, a, a dial-up number where I could say, you know, hey, Triple H, or hey, Vince, or whoever's booking, take a look at these guys, man. You're missing the boat on these guys. Um, but I don't. So hopefully social media... You know, somebody will look past their nose and say, "You know what? I don't care if he's Paul's guys. These guys are good, man. I could do something with these guys." That's what you hope for.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And what we want to do here is we want to urge everybody to get out to Paradise Alley. In where are you going to be? New, is it New Haven for Six Seventeen? Give give everybody the details. For June 17th with Tito Santana And then we got the final question Which is the, uh, the deep The deep deep thought that we're going to finish off with
0: Okay So it's Danbury P.A.L June 17th 7 o'clock Is bell time And I guarantee you Listen to what I'm telling you I guarantee you And you guys got to make me a deal Right now You got to say it on the air one way or the other, right or wrong, whether I come on this show and you hammer me or I don't come on the show and you give me nothing but praise. I want you to be at that show and I want you to tell your fans how good or bad it really was. And I held nothing against you. I won't even kick your asses. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, you got a two man power trip uh, seal of approval, definitely. And uh, there will be some TMPT uh, representation, without a doubt, at Paradise Alley. And really, we urge you to go check out everything. And Paul's going to give you all the social media tags here in a minute. But the, the real look back question, I like to call it the introspective look, is when the book is closed and everything's all done with the career and the training for Paul Roma, what are people going to say about Paul Roma's legacy in professional wrestling? Whew.
0: Wow. Well, okay. One thing they're definitely going to say is he had the greatest drop kick ever. <laughs> That's one thing. My true friends will say that he was a great guy. He'd do anything for you. And people didn't understand him. And the people that aren't my friends, I don't give a shit what they say or they think.
4: And you definitely, you can't end it better on that. And please give the listeners of the two-man power trip all the information about how they can check out Paradise Alley and also how they can attend the big show in Danbury on June the 17th.
0: Yeah, just listen. Go on Facebook, man. We, are,
4: our, our, we blast Facebook.
0: I'm on Twitter. You could go on Twitter. It's P-A-P-W, so it's ParadiseAlleyProfessionalWrestling.com. Just look it up. You'll see it. I'm all over the place. I got hell. my damn Facebook blew up. I had to get rid of people just to add more people. It's, it's insane. But um, come, come to the show on, the, on uh, June 17th, Danbury's PAL. Come say hi to me. I'll be there back room, backstage, running it, making sure everybody's doing what they need to do. But I encourage people to come up, shake my hand, say hello. I greatly appreciate it. Tell me that, you know, you listen to this show, and, and, and that would be great.
2: Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.